amen. Go ahead and have a seat. We're going to get ready, get your Bibles out as we get ready to open the Word of God together and learn and grow. Uh, speaking of faithfulness uh, in that song reminds me, uh, if I say faithfulness, it reminds me of my father-in-law, Jimmy Cook. And uh, he just turned 80 years old. Now, he, he's mad at me right now because I already told you that because he thinks he's 60. But he's not. He's 80 years old, and he's, the, he's a Marine, you know. And uh, those Marines, they're just, you know, they're always thinking. Well, they are. They're tough, tough guys, tough girls, right? You got it right. Got it right. That's what he said. It's right. But uh, 51 years ago... Um, he was called, Jim Cook was called into evangelistic ministry, and he has been faithful to the Lord, serving all these years, um, going from church to church, literally around the world, presenting the gospel, advancing the kingdom of Jesus Christ to the gospel, winning thousands and thousands of people to Christ over the faithful years of ministry that he has put in to evangelistic ministry and his commitment to the gospel uh, message. It's so, uh, it's so honoring to have him as a father-in-law and um, to have him be able to come and continue to faithfully preach, and he's going to preach his heart out today and uh, come and preach the word to us. And this is what he wanted me to say. I wrote it down. He said, don't tell them I'm the greatest man alive, just the greatest man you know. So I'd like to introduce to you Jimmy Cook, the greatest man I know. Will you welcome him to the platform as he preaches to us today? Yeah. Thank you, Philip. I appreciate those encouraging words. And I appreciate you. I have friends here in the church. I have family here. I have grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And I am happy to be with all of you today. I just enjoyed the singing. I almost got up on a chair there. <laughs> and it's been a blessing to my spirit already. And I know there's dear folks that are visiting here today, and we've already encouraged you to sign a card and that sort of thing to register your attendance. That's more important probably than most of us realize because in case there's like a major crime committed somewhere in the area here today, uh, we will be able to vouch for you and we will tell them that you did not do it this time that you were right here with us. So make sure and come back often, come back. You know, the worship, God's word, the fellowship of God's people is here every week. I want to encourage you this morning from God's word. I'm in the book of Revelation. That's near the back of your Bible. If you get to the book of Concordance, you've gone too far. Uh, just come back a little bit. You'll be there in the book of Revelation. And I'm in the second chapter, in the second chapter. You know, some years ago, Bobby and I were having some meetings in Chicago, and we were in a little motel. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a dreamer. I do dream at night and uh, that sort of thing. One time I dreamed I was wealthy. And uh, it was a great dream, but it, but it wasn't real. But this happened in, uh, while we were there. It was pitch dark in the room, and I was dreaming that I was elk 
hunting up in Wyoming. I just got in Thursday from Wyoming from some meetings there, and that's why I thought of it. And uh, in this dream, there was snow on the ground, and uh, it's elk hunting, and I saw a couple of very large bull elk about 200 yards away. My rifle was already sighted in. I was all ready for it. I got down on my elbows on my tummy, and I thought, this is going to be a piece of cake. And I was trying to decide which one of those elk I was going to shoot, and there was one of those wild javelina pigs, rather large. He started rooting around my feet, and I thought, this guy's going to ruin everything. And so I just kicked him really hard, and that guy came in on me, and he started ripping and tearing and gnashing. And I thought, no way. And so I started kicking him back. I kicked all the covers off the bed, all the sheets off the bed, all the pillows off the bed. And Bobby is pounding on my back, yelling at me, what's the matter with you? What are you doing? What's, what are you doing? You're going crazy. I said, where's that pig? <laughs> she said, there's no pig in here. I said, yes, there is. Look at the blood on my leg. And there was no blood on my leg. And it was only a dream. It wasn't real. And you know, sometimes we live in a dream world. We deal with things that aren't really, really real. Well, what I'm going to share with you this morning is real, really real. Book of Revelation, the second chapter, looking at verse 1. Unto the angel or preacher, or messenger of the church of Ephesus. Write these things, saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, and walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, or churches. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's been taking a walk in this church. I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and hast tried or tested them, which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars. And hath borne, notice the E on the end of the word born, if you have an old King James Bible. That means they've withstood, they've held up. They have not in some way caved in or surrendered. And hath borne, and hath patience, and for my name's sake hath labored, and hath not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Because thou hast left thy first love. I'm not good at putting titles on messages, so I usually don't. But I thought in a church like this, a respectable church like this, I would try and show up with a good title. And I've simply titled this, A Great Church, A Great Church with a Great Need, A Great Need. And so Jesus has come to the church, and he's walked in the midst of the church, and he's looked down into the hearts of the folks in the church, and he was troubled, he was disturbed. And so John, the apostle, is actually on the Isle of Patmos in prison, for preaching the exclusive nature of the gospel. You know, if you go out and talk to folks about Jesus and you say to those folks, I just got to tell you, pal, 
The Lord Jesus Christ loves you. As a matter of fact, he loves you so much. He loves you so much that he wants to forgive you of every sin that you have ever committed and every sin that you will ever commit. As a matter of fact, he's already made a sacrifice. He's already made a payment to make you exempt from those sins by the giving of himself when he died on the cross and when he rose from the dead. And if you will confess him and if you will receive him, God will receive you and forgive you and take you to heaven when you die. You know, there's not going to be a whole lot of folks that are going to get mad at you from telling them that message and giving them that message. But John is in prison because he preached that message and he preached, listen carefully, the exclusive nature of the gospel. Jesus said in John the 14th chapter, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is the only Son of the only God, the only Savior of every sinner, the only way to the only heaven. And all the religions in the world outside of Jesus Christ are false religions. Well, that, that irritated folks, and that made people mad. Of course, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that stopped a lot of the opposition. And to prove he really did rose from the dead, in case anybody didn't see it, he's going to come back again, and he's going to receive us unto himself. And it's a wonderful thing. Now, Jesus said to the folks there at the church house, he says, look, you have uh, left your first love. It wasn't like uh, they didn't know what was going on. He said, you left it. You went away from it. You presently love me less than you did when you were first born again. You know, this was a converted church. I mean, the folks who were members of the church, they were saved and they knew they were saved. As a matter of fact, some guy showed up and said, hey, we're apostles. God sent us to you. <laughs> they, they figured out in a very short time, these guys were liars. They packed them out. They ran them out of there. And uh, these folks could give a clear testimony that they had been born anew, born again, born from above, born by the power of the Spirit of God. <laughs> that they were, were, to a large degree, walking in newness of life. This was a converted church. As a matter of fact, it was a correct church. Those phony preachers didn't last very long. Uh, they could tell when uh, somebody said something that was cattywampus to the truth, and they couldn't receive it. They wouldn't receive it. They refused it. As a matter of fact, this church was consistent. I know thy works, thy labors. I know that what you've done, you've done for my name's sake. They were still doing the same thing that they had always done since their actual conversion. They hadn't changed anything. They were still uh, going on. As a matter of fact, they were committed. They were committed. Jesus say, said, what you've done, you've done for my namesake, and you have not fainted. You have borne, you have held up, you have withstood, and you've done what you've done for my namesake. And they were commended. 
they were commended. But Jesus said, you love me less than you did when you first started, and that is not acceptable. That is not acceptable. And so he says, John, I want the folks at Ephesus to know what I know about them. And so write this down. And the spoken word of God was inscripturated. It became scripture. The spoken word of God written down. And they received uh, this letter from John as well as the seven churches of Asia Minor. Here in verse 7 of the first, uh, first chapter, it says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. In John, the fourth chapter, verse 2, it says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. John was possessed of the Lord. He was inspired of God to write down uh, this message and to make sure that the churches received it. As a matter of fact, seven times to seven churches in this passage here, he said, hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You know, those seven churches don't exist today. But the towers of Islam stand in their place. We have a very weak presence in that part of the world. Somebody broke rank. Somebody failed to heed. Somebody failed to listen. Somebody failed to do anything about it. Let me tell you something. You don't break rank with somebody you love. You just, you just don't do that. You don't even consider it. You don't think about it. It's, it's not a part of your psychic. It's not a part of anything in your life. When you love somebody, really, really love somebody, you and I cannot properly function as born-again Christians until Jesus Christ has all of us, all of our heart. And he's not satisfied with anything less. And he says, these folks have a problem, John, and I want them to know what it is. And you tell them they've left their first love, and I know it. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not sure that all of us under, really understand what love is. Now, first of all, love is volitional. It's a decision of the will. Jesus said, love your neighbor. You say, well, i got to tell you, we really have crummy neighbors. You know, it's not, it's not because I think it, it's just because they are. They're crummy neighbors. Or, and they're really hard to love, especially as much as you want me to love them. Jesus said, love your enemies. Now, is there an emotional reason why you should love your enemies? All of us here know what happened to our Amanda Grace. Jesus said, love your enemies. That's a decision of the will. That's a decision of the will. You have to love. You have to surrender. You have to submit before your emotions kick in. And your emotions will come later. 
Somebody says, well, I don't want to marry him because I just don't have any feelings for him. Listen, child, you get the feelings later on. If you can't think of anything wrong with him, marry him. You get to feel uh, later on. I didn't want to marry my wife. I was only 20 years old on my birthday, and that's the day I married her. I wasn't ready for marriage. My mother told me, she said, son, if you don't marry that girl, somebody else is going to. Well, I didn't want anybody else to marry her. And I didn't really tell her I loved her until two days had passed after we were married. And I was starting to love her. I still love her. And yes, darling, I love you more now than I did when I married you. And that's the way we're supposed to grow in our affection for Jesus Christ. Look, you're not supposed to love him less. You're supposed to love him more. You say, well, I love him the same as. That's not good enough either because that means you haven't grown. You're not maturing. You're not developing. And so Jesus said, I know what the problem is. You guys are fundamental, but you're not on fire. You guys are doing right. You believe right, but I don't have your whole heart. I don't have all of you, and I can't accept it, and I won't accept it. So this is a good time for us to just examine ourselves and just look into ourselves and say, do I genuinely with all of my heart and soul, love the Lord more now than when I first walked into Jesus Christ and he embraced me, received me, and saved me. Do I love him more now? Or has my love for him diminished? These dear folks had truth. They had all the truth. But they had truth on ice. There's a whole lot of difference between truth on fire and truth on ice. And, you know, guys and girls, when you think about what's happening in the world today and what it's going to take to win the world, the gospel of Jesus Christ is more powerful than any bomb or bullet or any other weapon formed in the whole world. Jesus Christ is conquering the world with the love of himself. And he's spreading that love to all the nations in the world again and again, over and over. Look, look what's happened to Israel. Israel has had more preaching, more prophets, more truth, more opportunities, more scripture than any other nation in the world. And still, largely, as a nation, they're in unbelief. If God had a reason not to love somebody, they have provided more than a few. And yet today, God loves the nation of Israel. All of them, every last one of them, God loves them. And the great tribulation, Daniel's 70th week, is going to be the greatest revival, the greatest restoration that the nation of Israel has ever experienced on the tail end of it. God loves, can we give that love? Can we give the love of God to other people? Can we genuinely confess Jesus Christ openly and in such a persuasive manner with the love of God pouring out of us on their behalf? 
You know, I got to tell you, I know people love their children, but I'm concerned that a lot of us don't love them enough. You know, in a very short time, those kids are going to get up and they're going to go away. They're not going to ask you for $50 anymore. They'll be back and ask you for 5000 <laughs> We need to love our kids more. We need to love our wives. We need to love our neighbors, our husbands. We need to love the world. That's what God loved. God loved the world. The fact! For God so loved the world. The act! He gave his only begotten son. The impact! That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I think we could come up with a ton of reasons. If we wrote it on a piece of paper this morning, we would have a pile up here of reasons why we should love the Lord. And we've got to get that into our spirit and into our soul until it's manifest, until it shows, until it's visible. You know, prior to my conversion, if I was going to be a criminal, the Marine Corps made me a better criminal because they taught me to be responsible. They taught me to uh, do what I was supposed to do and to do it well and to finish it. They gave me discipline where I could control myself and keep myself from going off the rails, so to speak. But it wasn't near enough. It wasn't near enough. I don't think I loved anybody prior to my conversion. I've, I've lied to my mother. I've lied to my father. I've lied to my best friend prior to my conversion. And if we are in Christ today, <laughs> we need to show a whole lot more love to the world and to unsaved people than we have uh, hitherto. So... Uh, we can't substitute uh, standards or accept standards in the place of love. You know, we keep all the rules. We do all the things we're supposed to do. But it hasn't caused us to increase. Look, a lot of people have a problem with the rules. You know why? With the standards, with the requirements. Because they don't love the ruler. They don't love the ruler enough. And I'm telling you, we need an old-fashioned heart revival where we just literally explode with the love of God and showing and demonstrating that uh, in our lives. They were fundamental but not on fire. They were faithful. They were faithful but not in fellowship. Say, Jimmy, isn't that the way, you know, isn't that the way we uh, uh, get into fellowship with God is by being faithful? A lot of people think that. Let me illustrate it. Here's a guy who comes home from work. He comes in the house and he says, Yahoo! Hey, sweetheart, I'm here. Hey, darling. Hey, chicken. Your man is here. 
And so she comes out and she says, I know you're here. Now shut your traffic and sit down. I got something to say to you, buster. And he says, of course, darling. And don't feel that you need to hold anything back. She says, I don't intend to. And so he sits down and she gives him the lowdown. She says, I'll be here when you get home. I hope that's good news. I'll minister to your needs. I'll raise your children. I'll fix your meals. I'll do your laundry. But I want you to know I don't love you as much as I used to. Think it'll work? I don't think so. You take love out of the equation and it's not gonna work. It's just not going to work. You know why a lot of people go through divorces and God help the kids that survive when they do go through those kind of things? But somebody didn't love enough. Somebody didn't care enough. And God says, all all things are possible through our wonderful Lord and uh, Savior. And we certainly need uh, we need this fellowship, and uh, and love's not for keeping; it's for giving. You know, it's it's not for having deep down in your heart; it's for having right up in your lips, confessing our love uh, for Him and uh, for others. Fellowship, real fellowship, doesn't come just from knowing; it comes from doing. <laughs> You know, if we're in fellowship with the Lord, we're going to do what he wants us to do and what we know he wants us to do, even though we may not have uh, read it. And love, listen now, love puts us closer to God. God will touch you after you touch him. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. You can touch God by confessing your love to him. God puts you, love puts you closer to God and love puts you closer to others. It breaks down a lot of barriers. It gives you access that other folks are never going to have. Last week, they put me up in a house that I did not want to be in. Pastor said, Jim, we got a really nice motel right here at the church, and thus and thus we can put you up there. I said, well, isn't Henry Lair a member of your church? He said, of course, him and Kay, yeah, they're very faithful members. I said, well, I've known Henry for 50-plus years, and he thinks I'm his friend. And if I go into that motel, he's going to be mad at me. So uh, I ended up in his house. Didn't know that there was going to be another missionary and another missionary and another missionary that was going to be in his house at the same time. There was a line to use the bathroom. You know what I mean? And all and all. So on the last night of the meetings, I said, I want to thank Henry and Kay for hospitality. I said, they've been so good, so sweet. Uh, Their home is like a bus station. Uh... I got to know the other folks coming and going, coming and going, coming and going during the week. 
And they gave me a nice room, and after I cleaned it up and killed the roaches, it was even better. Uh, you know, and I just went on, carried on like that. I can do that. I can insult Henry and Kay and offend them by saying nasty things about them, but it doesn't hurt their feelings because they know I love them. Henry's my pal, and Kay is a sweetheart, I promise you. You know, love just cures. It just fixes a lot of things. And God says, John, they don't. Oh, they say they do. But I know they don't love me like they used to. It's possible to be faithful and not be in fellowship. And these dear folks were fervent. Fervent. They were on fire. But not for first love. Not for first works. And so Jesus said, look, John, tell them, tell them how to return to me. Tell them how to have a revival. Tell them how to restore their love. And so John wrote down verse 5, remember, remember. Remember when you were first saved, how easy it was to just ask the Lord for something. I remember the night of my conversion in December of 1961. Bobby and I lived just a few blocks from the church house in San Francisco. We walked down to our little apartment. And when I walked in the door, I just went in the bedroom and I got on my knees. And I said, God, I'm asking you to save my pa." Pa and I never really got along like we should have. And God, I'm asking you to do for my pa what you did for me tonight. And if you'll do that, if you'll save my dad, I think everything will be all right between us. And I prayed that prayer for eight years. And a fallen girl who had come from Detroit to California that Bobby had led to Christ... She got burdened for her folks, went back to Detroit. She went by and called on my dad several times, and she led my dad to Christ four years before his death. He was 60 years of age. Phil says I'm 60, or say I'm 60. I feel younger than 60. I know what it feels to be 60. So I know I feel younger than 60. But anyway, when I got home, I said to my dad, Papa, I said, I called you, I wrote you. Every time we were together, I talked to you about your salvation. And you didn't trust Christ. What was it that that girl said to you that caused you to receive Jesus Christ? She said, well, son, he said, you know, I don't know many people that are worse than myself. And I didn't feel it was fair to ask God at this point in my life to be forgiven. I figured I would just have to pay for whatever was coming to me. He said, but I knew that girl before she was converted. And she was worse than me. And I thought... 
if God will save that girl, maybe he'll save me too. And I asked him to save me, and he did. You know, when you get close to God, it's going to change you. <laughs> in a good way. In a brighter, better way. You'll be able to embrace people that you really perhaps didn't care for. You'll be able to demonstrate the love of God in your life in a convincing manner and at a level that you never experienced before. And you know, if you've cooled off, as it were, if you've kind of let go a little bit, it's something you can tell. And Jesus said, if you don't love me, like you used to. Remember how simple your prayers were? I can remember praying for my dad. I can remember praying for my boss that they would be saved, that they would come to faith, and that they would trust Christ. I can remember talking to people on the street and on the bus and at work uh, about the Savior, and no hesitation, no, <laughs> no, no, well, what might they think? Well, the problem was what they're presently thinking, not what they might think. You know, they can't think the right thing until they know the right thing to think. And so, um, remember your Bible reading? I remember the first time I read Second uh, Corinthians uh, 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I called Bobby and I said, look at this, babe. Can you believe this verse here? And uh, she says, no. I said, she said, we, uh, we've got to tell the people at the church about this. I said, I saw it first. <laughs> I thought she's going to get ahead of me. You know, uh, how simple our lives were when we were just loving the Lord. Uh, how many things get resolved when we have more love? Remember, God loves you for who you are, not for what you do. He loves you for who you are. You'll never be the person you could be until you have the love of Christ prevailing in your life. So he said, remember, and then he said, repent. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. You used to be closer than you are. He says, now do this. Repent. 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 Grieve. Let go. Turn around. <laughs> Say, God, I've sinned against you. I've loved you less and you've loved me more. I've been wrong. And I've lost some of my zeal, some of my enthusiasm, some of my burden. And I repent. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And let me tell you this, my friend. When God forgives our sin, he forgives it totally and completely. 
and he will never remember them again. He has thrown them in the depths of the deepest sea. David, how he sinned against his friend Uriah, how he sinned as a king against his nation. But you know, when you read Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 32, he's there. So is the biggest goof-off prophet in the Bible, Samson. He couldn't find a decent gal. He couldn't find a right girl. But he's there. He repented before he died. David repented. Hey, <laughs> can you honestly stand up and say today, hey, Lord, I love you so much more. I love you so much more than I did when I first started with you. Well, if we love him less, it's not acceptable. And then the Lord said, the Lord said, repeat, do the first works. Do the first works again. Just go back and start over. Pray like you used to pray, real simple. Read your Bible like you used to read your Bible, real simple. But read your Bible. Go back and just confess your faith like you used to confess your faith. You know, I was thinking about the thief on the cross. And sometimes, you know, we want somebody to make a doctrinal confession when they receive Jesus as their Savior, you know. And, uh, but the thief on the cross, he didn't pray an orthodox prayer necessarily. He said, Lord. And at that moment, he was born again. <laughs> he knew Jesus was an eternal king that was going to sit on an eternal throne and rule in an eternal kingdom. And he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He knew Jesus was going to go into the grave, but he knew he wasn't going to stay there. He was going to sit on an eternal throne. Remember me. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me and we'll both be in paradise. So if you're here today and you've never come to God, come to God through Jesus, <laughs> he's waiting for you to come. Our prayer team is going to be here in just a few moments. And uh, you can just, as others are going out, you can just find your way down. And if you're a brother or sister and say, you know what, I just need to renew myself before the Lord. I just need to come closer. I just need to embrace him in a way that I have not yet embraced him. I need to love him more. And I need to love my family more and my friends more. I need to love the world more. Let's stand for our response time. I'm going to pray. Our prayer team is going to come. Pastor's here. Father, thank you so much. Give us a few minutes together. Challenge ourselves. Prepare ourselves. Equip ourselves. Train ourselves. Become and be the person that you designed us to be. We are weak, but you are strong. And God, I just pray that you'll open us up this morning to yourself. 
And may we just be willing to draw nigh to you. If we've got any weights in our life that shouldn't be there, any hindrances, any sin, any attitude, any anything, God, just restore us as we would come to you, as we would stand before you and say, Lord, I confess that I love you less and I'm going to love you more. I'm making a volitional decision. I'm going to love you more. That's revival. Any person that doesn't know you, God, every person that doesn't, I pray that you'll speak to them in the same manner that you spoke to me. It'll be more than enough. Help them to come. Bring all the baggage. Leave it here today. I pray all this, Lord Jesus, in your name, your precious name, your wonderful name. Amen. Let's just keep our heads bowed for a few moments. And if you're making a valuable decision of the heart this morning, you can just slip out and come. Now, others are going to begin to leave, and that's okay. That's okay. But if you're making a decision in your heart today, you need to come. Pastor's here to help you. The prayer team is here to help you. I'm here to help you if you need it. If you don't need any help, you can stand. You can kneel. You can just find a place of prayer and just... Bear your heart to the Lord. If you're coming to receive Christ, let one of the prayer team help you.